Welcome to Backlog Dialogues, the podcast where we take you out of your backlog before it bores you. I'm John, and joining me as always are the Porthos and Aramis to my Athos. I'm almost certain they don't use those names in, in the uh, Mickey version of Three Musketeers. Who cares? I'm Matt. I'm Jared, and I'm not D'Artagnan either. <laughs> <laughs> ah, well, so today we are visiting the country of Musketeers. But first, let's talk about the most insane Disney movie ever, Disney's Three Musketeers. <laughs> it's actually called Mickey, Donald, Goofy, The Three Musketeers. So that's what? just already awkward and weird sounding. So like... Like when I first ever played this game, I was just like, oh, this must be a really old uh, cartoon, right? No, this movie came out after Kingdom Hearts was a thing. Yeah. Really? It came out in 2004. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> and like and like however insane this world is going to sound as we describe it in this episode, everything I've seen of it online, I haven't like fully watched it yet. I still need to. It looks more insane than in this game. <laughs> I had no I, idea it was that modern. Holy crap. It's it's I never really seen Disney go meta in a Mickey cartoon as much as this did. I've watched a good chunk of it. I mm-hmm. imagine it's never been quite focused there. It's just it's so a strange movie. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't know how else to put it, but apparently it's even weirder than you think. This is something I've been trying to make since the 80s. Really? Like they wanted to make all four Musketeers. It was going to be Mickey, Don, Goofy, and for some reason, Jose Carioca of the three Caballeros. But hmm. what would you do with the other Caballero? <laughs> he's 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 out he, somewhere. Look, he look, he's not a Musketeer. He's Pistoles. His, his <laughs> gun type isn't right. Oh, no. Ever considered the Musketeers are also sh- always shown with swords, even though their name yeah. implies something else entirely? Yeah. yeah. Um, I like... I need to actually read the original Three Musketeers story as well. I just like it is one of those stories that I just know through cultural osmosis and memes, much like a lot of other things from the 1800s. But mm-hmm. it's kind of a weird, dark little book about how nothing like how the characters get nothing they want. And everything just feels hollow at the end. And then he <laughs> made more. And then he kind of made more books after it. So like the, the, the D'Artagnan romances is multiple books. Really? <laughs> yeah. It's very much it's 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 a pulp novel of the 1800s. Yeah. The only other Dumas story that I know well enough is Count of Monte Cristo. That one's a classic. Oh, yeah. Oh, yes. And the very commonly people and almost every adaptation misappoint and root for the wrong person. I'm wondering what what it would look like if Disney decided to do an adaptation of the Count of Monte Cristo. I can't be weirder than the anime version. Yeah, the anime version is pretty fucking weird. If you've never seen Gunkutsuo, it is what if Count of Monte Cristo in space with an actual space vampire as the count. And also and also Gonzo doing really weird eye bending CGI backgrounds. Like foregrounds. The, yeah, there's some really weird experimental shit going on in that anime. It's actually a really good series, though. It's one of Gonzo's better things from back when Gonzo actually did good stuff. As opposed to make a mess out of things that they do ever, pretty much ever since. Yeah. Awesome ending song, too. Oh, yeah. Amazing. Well, see, a, see, uh, see, when I thought of the Three Musketeers, though, I thought it would be from the same era as Disney's Robin Hood. Oh, yeah. Same. Be- Oof. same. I thought at the very least it would be like the Prince and the Popper where they were trying in the 90s to put in like uh, little Mickey like sub films in front of things. But no, yeah, no, it is a full film that they what was it? Direct to TV, direct to DVD or something like that. I, I think it was a last minute directed DVD like they were planning more and they just kind of switched it over. I guess, so I guess like based on the year that it comes out, the tone is actually pretty consistent with Emperor's New Groove. So it's well, it's meta as shit. It's, it has a troubadour turtle as a narrator who's reading his favorite comic book, which is the Three Musketeers. But he's also in it playing music for it. For some mm-hmm. reason, every song is a public domain classical piece rescored. Hmm. Like you only have Pete singing his King of France song, the Hall of the Mountain King, you know, the most obvious cheesy villainy song you can think of. Yeah, yeah. I love the song, but even the creator kind of made it as a parody of that sort of thing. Yeah. Hilarious. And it also just like has some amazing running gags that we'll probably hit on. (laughs) If you like Pirates of Penzance, you'll really appreciate at least one of them. Yes. And you should like Pirates of Penzance at least a little because the music at least is fun. Yep. Anyway, enough talking. Let's dive into the Sora side. Yep. So Sora's dive is a simple point gather through some comic book pages. And was this based on a comic book? No, it was a direct-to-video film where the where the where the narrator was reading a comic book. 
So that's why everything in this world is using comic stuff. But why? I didn't notice so much later. It's very strange. <laughs> yeah, like it, it, this world is very nuts. Uh, so, <laughs> yeah, we start with Mickey, Donald and Goofy facing a dream eater. Uh, each of them as the three musketeers for some fucking reason. <laughs> and we're leaving off a very strange plot where they're actually a trio of suckers being set up to fail. Yeah, I think that's in the flashbacks. <laughs> like literally they, literally, they were rejects because the Goofy was too stupid. Donald was too cowardly and Mickey was too short. <laughs> is, wait, uh, is short the problem with Mickey in this? <laughs> yes. In fact, Pete, the, the big thing in the movie is because Pete is so physically massive. He's an incredible threat to Mickey because of that. So, so that's why that that's why Mickey ended up uh, having the ambition to become king. It was all little man syndrome. Oh, no, they're in France. This is the Napoleon complex. Oh, no. <laughs> Napoleon, Napoleon actually wasn't com- that short. Napoleon complex is just another name for little man syndrome. I mean, Napoleon wasn't even that short. That's propaganda. <laughs> We're going to take out Waterloo, guys. Ha ha. <laughs> for whatever reason, Mickey, Donald and Goofy have. Well, actually, Goofy doesn't have one, I think. Or no, he does. They have yeah. these. So. Well, they're all the Musketeers for some reason. Yeah, Mickey, yeah. Donald, and they're fighting, and they're fighting strange, dreamers. cartoony uh, rapiers. Yep. Yeah, Donald runs off in fear. Goofy runs off in the wrong direction. And Mickey just rushes right at the Dream Eater and gets completely owned. <laughs> That's what happens uh, when you're short. Oh. <laughs> short people have no reason to I wasn't going to make the Randy Newman joke. I was not going to make the Randy Newman joke. You, you, you did can it, always rely me. on me first. I mean, it... This movie does kind of the movie kind of beats on Donald and Goofy a little bit for their cowardice and dumb and, and foolishness. Well, <laughs> I know some I know it has sometimes some people like it a little bit less because that. But I think it works. Sora jumps to the rescue thinking that he's saving specifically King Mickey and Mickey does not know who the fuck he, Sora is. New world. Who dis? <laughs> That's terrible. Yes, it is. <laughs> So Sora kind of wonders if this is like Prankster's Paradise or The Grid, where characters that should have known him are not knowing him. I mean, Sora's doing pretty good with pattern recognition today. He's coming along nicely. (laughs) That's mean. Given Sora's typical uh, track record for pattern recognition, you're not wrong. (laughs) I agree. I just, but I do love that he still kind of vaguely tries to play along. And Mickey actually jumps in and says, look, I know what you are. I know what you're holding. Shush. Yeah. You fucker, I know what a keyblade is, and I know you came from another world. I'm a king. I know these things. <laughs> yeah, I talked, but, to that uh, li- I talked to that Lion King the other day. <laughs> oh, no. Dream Drop Distance, I'm going to have that new Mufasa movie. Oh, <laughs> no. That's terrible. Um, yeah, no, I, I, think, I worry it will be, yes. Yeah, uh, but more importantly, like, uh, Mickey does r- completely recognize that uh, Sora is here with a keyblade. And so he explains that he is here in this world being a musketeer. On some vague mission. Question. Yes. What does any of that mean? What the fuck are they doing here? And Minnie's still the queen of France here. Mickey's now in official position. What's going on in this world? What is the timeline for Mickey? That is my question. Is this quantum? Is this quantum leap? After all, they jumped into their they jumped into their alternates here. It's part of their mission. Maybe. Just randomly, I personally think a new Disney film that would be cool to be in Kingdom Hearts 4 would be to have a a world that is essentially what's it called the Melis- the maleficent film so you're talking about live action disney films yeah um, mm. that's yeah, if maleficent comes out looking like live action angelina jolie as a freakish facsimile i'll have all kinds of questions well i don't mean to do the freakish facsimile but i mean to do like you know, like a, a thing themed after or, you know, based on some of the things in that film. We're not going to worry about freakish facsimiles anymore because they actually get the human models looking good in Kingdom Hearts 3. Well, yes. I'm going to say two things. First, the world itself really doesn't offer much that we didn't see in Enchanted Dominion or in Point 2. Mm-hmm. And second, it'll be very hard to basically place the wicked form Maleficent character assassination as everything that went on in the original with the happy villain. Funny. Hmm. Well, Sora is just as confused as we all are for what what the fuck is going on here. <laughs> as soon as we get into our first Dream Eater fight, uh, we get our new reality shift, which is Wonder Comic. I mean, where you trap you trap your enemies in a comic book page. 
Is that a fucking JoJo reference? We're not turning them into comic books. We're just trapping them in a comic book. I was thinking of the thing at the end of that one Superman film where Zod gets thrown into space in the weird obelisk oh. or whatever. Oh, no, no. In, in the Phantom Zone where they're just where they're basically they're turned into a flat 2D square flying off of the space. Yes. At the exactly. start of the first movie and then back at the okay. end of the second movie. For a second there, I didn't know what you were talking about, but now I get it. <laughs> Original Zod, Terrence Stamp. Deal before Zod. Yes. So so you're saying that the original Superman movie literally turns Zod into a comic book. Got it. Thank you. <laughs> well, it's, it's like it's like you've ever seen like where three like you have three faces pressed up against like a flat pane that's spinning off into space. Yeah, that's mm-hmm. the thing. The music of this world is pretty good. What was the battle theme called? All for one. Uh, <laughs> yes, of course. Yep. Because it definitely should be the villainous character. Yep. It's a fun, bouncy driving theme. It's got a cool flute melody. At this point, I found myself with a deck loaded with balloon spells and things were starting to get pretty easy because balloon is broken as fuck. Let's talk about balloon for a quick second because it came up in the notes. This is a weird spell. I mean, I think it's replacing arrow. Uh, I think arrow exists still, but balloon is. I'm almost certain it doesn't. So, okay, balloon, regular balloon just creates a bunch of small balloons around you and it does non-elemental damage. By the way, they say balloons, but they're colored and and designed like like they're old bouncy super balls, I'd say. Yeah. Hmm. Um, so each one is a does a large amount of unaspected damage. So they ignore basically like any kind of weaknesses, as I recall. Christ, they're the they're the almighty of this game. They are. It's a really strong spell because like each of those bubbles will do more damage than your typical like casting a fire or what. And you get like six of them every cast. And yeah. Oh, and, yeah. And they cause knockback. They're one of the only things in the game that does that just like. In general, I will say I will say taking the word balloon and, and giving it the Final Fantasy uh, spell suffix and not really weird sounding, though. Balloon oh, yeah. Ra, Balloon Ga. Balloon Ra. Uh, basically, as I recall, you create a cluster of these things and then uh, launch. I them? think Balloon Ra is the big balloon. OK, when yeah. I hear a spell called balloon. I always think of the secret of mana one, which was just a basically a, a long term stun. Yeah. Yeah. Um. And Balloon God just makes a cluster that you smash into their faces. Yeah, like um, well, the first time I played, I did not. I thought Balloon was exactly what you said, Matt, um, because I came from uh, Secret of Mana. I was just like, Balloon, that doesn't sound powerful. And then I read online, people were like, Balloon is the most powerful spell. Always use Balloon. I'm wrong. Balloon Ride is the cluster that turns into like a, a swirl of them. And Balloon God is the big one. That's a mine. OK, it's my error. Yeah, no, it was. it's fine. Um, the whatever the case, like. Each of those blasts does a lot of damage, uh, and so... And the range is shockingly good, too, and it's easy to see range because there's such big, brightly filled uh, uh, zones. Yep. Um, at one point, I actually sent Jared and Matt a picture of my deck that was nothing but balloon rows and balloon guns and cure spells, and I said, this is peak performance. You may not have to like it, but it is what... It, or whatever that meme is. It's, we're we're going to share it with this episode. We're going to share it with this episode uh, on whatever we're posting on now that Twitter's dead. Uh, so you, you so you're putting in an order for me for posting that one. OK, yes, I can read it. You, you better you better write it down somewhere because I won't remember. I will do that. <laughs> so, yeah. So basically. <laughs> yeah. So we, we we defeat the dream eaters who are suddenly taking the unversed role, as you said, of trying to block the cutscenes. Mm hmm. And so Mickey and Sora have a little bit of a powwow after that's done. And Goofy runs by in, in a blind fury. No way, his eyes are just closed. Yeah, yeah. Goofy, Goofy in, the, in the fog of battle literally means he's just waving a sword and bumping the walls. I think oh, some of this, too, is to present that Donald and Goofy had some major character development before you met them in mm-hmm. Kingdom Hearts. I think so. I think that's the idea, but... In the original cartoon, we literally have Goofy is such a fool. He does mostly uh, complete fail stuff, but he also accidentally wins over the evil Clarabelle Cow, which sounds so ridiculous. <laughs> <laughs> While they're singing to a song from Carmen, might I add? Oh, wow. Is there an evil Horace horse caller? No, she's she's Pete's number one assistant <laughs> who, who regularly has bricks fall on her head. Oh, no. Oh, no. Mickey calms down Goofy. Donald comes back as well. And Sora just tries to greet them, and neither of them recognizes him. And Sora kind of has the same realization he had five seconds ago. And Mickey has this wonderful line. It doesn't matter when we've met. Once we've met a friend, we're friends for life. So question, does Mickey understand time shenanigans? Other questions. Since these are sort of, they've implied these are dream replaced real character. If the sleeping world wakes up, do these versions just cease to exist? 
Probably. <laughs> Horrifying. <laughs> we must wake the windfish. Oh, no. Oh, no. <laughs> I've never played that game. I mean, it's actually a very good game. That's I mean, that is the existential horror. It's the heart of Link's Awakening is the fact that you've caused an apocalypse for your own convenience. Well, all the people on the island are like, yeah, if you wake up the windfish, we're gone because we're the windfish's dream. Isn't it like they don't really care that much? Um, well, they don't do much about it. They sort of accept it to some degree. Yeah, they, they more or less accept it. But like the game still just kind of leaves you with that. Huh. Feeling. Yeah, it's really strange. Like, actually, like I think it feel like Zelda in general is really good at leaving you with that. Yeah. Huh. Theme. <laughs> yeah. The actually. So the Link's, Link's Awakening DX for the Switch is actually extremely good, by the way. Mm. The performance is kind of uh, chuggy, but it works fine otherwise. Like, it's just when it changes screens that the problem is come up. Yeah. So, yeah. Mickey wants everyone to stay on task for the mission. And we need to stay on task for this episode. Yeah. So Sora wants to come along. And Mickey says, no, it's fraught with danger. Yep. <laughs> Sora's just like, no, I'm a good boy. I should be there. So Mickey has no argument against. He's so. like, hmm. OK, I, I, I gave my token resistance. Yep. <laughs> and Goofy says they should do the thing. They're going to combine. I know Not we already thing. did. <laughs> Yeah, we've already stopped using Trinity moves. That's only was in the first game. So but then Goofy whispers to Sword they want and they do the 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 uh, swords in the air all for one, one for all pose. Is that a My Hero Academia reference? You do understand Three Musketeers predates that show by 150 years, right? And that's it is going to be the source of that phrase. You need to contain the weeb a little bit. No. <laughs> uh, I'll just be here. I personally love to troll Warhammer fans sometimes, you know, when somebody mentions something in Warhammer or Warhammer 40,000. Is that a StarCraft reference? Nice. Oh, excellent. I barely know Warhammer. That still sounds like an evil move. Oh, it's it's extremely evil. Except for the fact that Warcraft and StarCraft are the ripoffs. But um, yes, that's the, the point. Idea. Yes, that's literally. John. OK, so I, you know that whole point sale overhead meme? Yes. <laughs> it was invented for Warhammer 40K, as I recall, or for Gundam. I forget which. <laughs> wow cool though that's wow cool robot isn't it yeah, yeah but it's wow, the same cool idea robot. oh yeah that's well, slightly that, different and they, they have they come from the same source of lack of focus but which is what we Lord, have we're all we're all over the map on this one <laughs> yes we are well flashback time flashback time yep we get the overnight musketeers flashback where if pete dubs the trio royal musketeers and makes them bodyguards the princess mini it's pretty blatant that mickey doll and goofy are dipshits and pete's totally a villain here yeah i mean pete is pete is going full miles broad here it, it's it's <laughs> the heart of your lacklusterous potential yes oh dear yeah uh, pete likes to do that sort of thing where he uses the wrong word but it ends up being the right word Malapropism. But Pete literally turns 90 degrees and so has just the best evil grin i'm just take a moment here to stop and say he is wonderfully animated in Dream Drop Distance. Oh, yeah, oh, he really is. I mean, there's a lot less texture animation in general, but Pete with his big flappy face just seems to they just go all in for it. Like the better animations we started to see in Coded are like really coming out in full in uh, Dream Drop Distance now. They're, it looks much better in motion. And something about his expressions in general is just great. Like he does the heavy lidded big grin and you just it just really speaks out to you. So the next little set piece in this world is a horse-drawn carriage chase where we're chased by a T-Rex, specifically a new dream eater, the Tyranto Rex. Uh, uh, must go faster. Must go faster. Objects and mirror closer than they appear. Yes. This is actually a super fun sequence. Anyway, we need to stop this dinosaur before it destroys the carriage. And fortunately, balloon is OP, so I don't have a problem with it on critical mode. After this, Sora turns around. Instead of the Musketeers, we have the Beagle Boys who are getting onto the carriage. For some reason, they're completely gray. Yeah, they're monochrome French bandits for some reason in this world. Uh, granted, okay, my only real exposure with the Beagle Boys, because I miss the original DuckTales, is the modern DuckTales rendition of them. It's honestly not too different. They kind of cleaned up the the wackiness elements of there, but it's still heavily there, because they're very much the the goofy villains always dressed in prison clothes. Mm -hmm. Yeah, they're they're basically the, the mooks who are essentially escape convicts more yeah. or less and they're only dangerous when they're either led by their by their grandfather blackheart in the comics or by mob eagle in the cartoons mm -hmm. 
Otherwise, they're just kind of, they literally are mooks. So you need you actually need one of the ex, the uh, higher echelon ones running them to make it threatening. Yeah, they're like they're, lower tier mooks than say Pete is in the rest of Kingdom Hearts. Well, that's why that's why they work for Pete. <laughs> it's kind of a shame they haven't shown up again in Kingdom Hearts. I want to see them again. <laughs> yeah, maybe they died in this world. <laughs> Ooh. Oh no. Well, the Musketeers have vanished. Yep, the Beagle Boys swipe Minnie from the carriage, and... Then here they are. Hey, guys. Yeah, just because they had a brief moment to steal uh, Minnie, the Beagle Boys have more or less succeeded in their goal. The rest of the Musketeers come up, and they're completely distraught. Yep. After the... Donald's Donald's completely giving up. (laughs) Yep. Yep, calling it hopeless. But Mickey, he's having none of this despair. He extols teamwork and friendship. Dynamis? Oh, yeah. <laughs> you you do have the Final Fantasy 14 brain rot, John. I have all the brain rot. <laughs> yeah. So anyways, so yeah, we we continued on the path and they find the carriage with its horses with bows on their tails. It was sitting in the middle of a road on the way to a tower. Yep. The Beagle Boys start donkey conking barrels at us as we climb the tower. Yep. That's funny. Donkey conking way. <laughs> mm-hmm. Well, once we're done with that, which is punch, we get to punch their faces in. Yep. Yeah. And I trounce them pretty easily with link attacks because fuck playing fair. This is critical mode. If it's going to be mean, I got to be mean back. <laughs> so that means you dropped uh, you drop more meteors on people. Uh, dropping meteor is actually a pretty poor strategy against boss fights because it doesn't do that much damage uh, relative to a boss's health. And it's a cutscene, so you don't get any invent iframes either. Yeah, so it's better to use a, a link attack that gives you good iframes in general. Yeah, I'm not good at planning that, but I still could see it on one like the, that, that move. <laughs> so after the fight, Mickey thanks Sora, and things seem like they're about to wrap up. Then Goofy notices the Beagle Boys are back. Well, Sora's like, we we're ready to fight, but Mickey thinks there's a better way. He goes with the great mind of our generation, Goofy. It has to be as a better idea. Goofy <laughs> observes a window, gets an idea, then yeets himself and Mickey out the window before Mickey can object. So yeah, he just grabs Mickey by the front of his shirt and just flings them both right out the window with Mickey yelling at him doing his traditional yodel scream. And then the two hit a tree and it bends and then counter yeets them back into the tower, causing the Beagle Boys to be recoil yeeted out of yet another window into the lake. Wow, that was a really silly yeet equation. <laughs> So Goofy is Captain America, and he has the ability to figure out these crazy multi-step ricochet actions in his head. I guess that makes sense, considering the shield focus. He does have good abilities with the shield later on. I I don't know if he tosses it much, but he does a lot of spinning stuff. He does the Goofy goofy Bombardier. I know he has at least one toss the shield move. It's it's even funnier in the in the original animation because you actually see Goofy train of thought where he like he where he thinks of the tower the windmill, he thinks of a cow nearby because they skipped the part where a cow, they land on it, kicks them back up into the towers bar of it too. Just Goofy wow. works all this out from 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 observe, from observation. So he's not that stupid in this world. He just is, thinks he's stupid. He's, it's it's kind of like he has so much experience with his with slapstick falls that he knows exactly how they'll work. Yes. Greatest mind of our generation. <laughs> <laughs> so, so Donald can't believe we've won. Yeah. Yep, they do the musketeer thing again. And sure. yep, that night Sora hangs out in the training yard with Goofy. Goofy notices something and runs off. Ooh, shiny. Yeah, I can't do the Goofy very well. <laughs> Go for it, Matt. Do it. Ooh, shiny. <laughs> <laughs> Though he is clearly chasing after someone, it's still, imp- it's still impressively easily distracted. Yep. Yeah. And, and, and Sora, after, after exactly five steps running after him, is lost where Goofy is. It's that object permanence problem. Well, Mickey calls out to him. He just turns. Yep. And then Donald <laughs> runs by screaming incoherently. So Donald runs by screaming. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and we learned that Captain Pete is going to kidnap Minnie. Duh. <laughs> I mean, it's worth noting Donald at this point is in one of the greatest shocks of his life. He literally had been strapped into a guillotine by Pete's. Saw that he had prepared tombstones for three of them in view, and then Pete drops them, and Donald just barely pulls his head out with wow. his despair. So he That's is in the wow. cartoon. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. He is. We have missed Donald being utterly terrified for his life. And while wow. Donald isn't completely a coward, he definitely is more easily freaked out than others. So, mm-hmm. <laughs> so Donald's done. 
Yep. Yeah, Donald thinks them being Musketeers is a big lie and decides to get a new job because Musketeers don't run. As, as again, I'm going back to cartoons, keep thinking of it. He literally rips off his Musketeer suit. He's wearing his old blue sailor suit under it. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Well, we wear these uniforms or Musketeers. You're right. And he just rips it off. <laughs> Mickey tries to get him to stick around, but... You know, he he's a bit too much of a coward at the moment and he yep. runs off and he definitely feels guilt. It's like he feels he can't handle it. But then we get a scene with Pete. And so let's voice it because Pete's voice is fun. <laughs> <laughs> but first, we got sorry, Mickey, just by himself. Sure. Yep. He'll be back. I know it. Oh, thanks, Sora. So this captain guy's the culprit. I wonder what he's up to. <laughs> what am I up to? I'm up to plenty. Pete. Who's that? <laughs> a stranger looking to be endangered. You mangle these yardsticks. And a bunch and of dream Pete. eaters drop in and Mickey jumps to the balcony and faces Pete. Captain Pete, by the power vested me as a musketeer, I arrest you, mister. <laughs> That's a good one. Well, how's about this? By the power invested in my fist, I clobber you. <laughs> He's yeah. having so well, much fun Pete's in this world. Line. Yeah. <laughs> and it's a, again, and both in the in both the game and in the cartoon, he just socks Mickey unconscious there. <laughs> yes. <laughs> again, like I said he he really is in several places where he's being less less comical. He really does talk down to Mickey as a pipsqueak. So, yep. Yeah, uh, like it does manage to elevate to the level of the cartoon, at least when Pete is on screen. <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, you get the sense this world is weird, but Pete really just brings all the energy into it. Like. We, our Pete's already been a bit of a ham, but like this is him at his absolute hamminess. It's amazing. And I yeah. don't understand what I still don't understand what any of them are doing in this world. Mm-hmm. And, and, and in fact, Sora gets so distracted by Mickey getting socked off screen that one of the dreamers jumps him and knocks him out. Yep. He wakes up to see Donald and Goofy, and we learn that Pete has taken Mickey to Mont St. Michel. And time short that the dungeons in that tower literally flood with the tide. So Mickey will drown. Fortunately, we don't have an actual Vinforce game time limit, but that's never fun. Yeah, nope. Donald's still a coward, sadly. Sora gives him a friendship speech and it cheers Donald right up and gets him to go with us. And it's yes. a fast one. He said, you wouldn't be here if you were his friends. If friends help. OK. OK. It's almost it's almost. Well, I'm convinced. Well, like the thing is, Donald did, in fact, come back on his own after running off. So, yeah, there's something to it. Uh, and just he wants really to believe this, himself. You don't want this to put us in the episode. We missed a bit where the turtle sings Beethoven the Fifth at Donald calling him a, calling him a whip till he smashes him. Oh, he, he enrages Donald back into action. And while it wouldn't fit here, that would have been awesome to see. It would yeah, have been awesome. That's that's one of Donald's primary vices, I would say. If he's a coward here, but he he gets mad easily. Donald has self confidence issues, which make him often doubt his own safety. He doesn't prioritize safety completely over others, but he feels he if he feels things are over his head, he he feels he can't help. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But also he you can you can push down into a temper that makes him lose all sense of uh, of of uh, of concern or fear. So let's go off to Mont St. Michel. The city on the way there is an excellent full motion playground. But unfortunately, it then takes us to a gross sewer level that's actually a dungeon. And I don't know how you all feel about sewer levels, but I'm almost never happy with them. Hmm. Like, yeah, they're. I mean, I guess we got to talk about the elephant room. They're extremely same. <laughs> what the elephant room? Yeah, there's an elephant room in the dungeon. <laughs> what is an elephant room? Uh, I mean, well, it's kind of like talking about the elephant in the room, but it's actually the room. Uh, no, um, the elephant room is specifically a, a forced dreamier fight where you have to fight a bunch of zolophants uh, that are spraying water everywhere. It's weird. I don't know why there's an elephant room. That's 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 an elephant's natural habitat, right? Sewers. I guess so. <laughs> Jokes like, how do you fit four elephants in the car? How do you fit four elephants in the car? Two in the front, two in the back. <laughs> this doesn't have anything to do with the trunk. Yeah. Why couldn't the two elephants go to the beach? Why couldn't the two elephants go to the beach? Only one pair of trunks between them. Got Understand, it. this is a whole... This is a whole genre of jokes. I could go for 20 minutes. No, let's not. <laughs> I, don't know why dad jokes, do I don't know why dad jokes invigorate me to a degree, but they do. Yes. Patreon bonus content. Jared does a 20 minute episode of dad jokes. Ooh, I think I, I think I would not survive it. 
as it was people got the hands I mean. So after going through this dungeon, we find Mickey drowning in a cell. Yep. Like, holy shit. He literally is like, we see him struggling underwater, chained to the ground. We see we see him apparently losing his breath and passing out. Yeah, it's really mm-hmm. scary. Yeah. All, all this, again, I keep going back to it. All this, again, is in the animation. Yeah. It's just... It's this horrible, grim, dark comedy, like where there's a sign that doesn't say you must be this tall to live. Goddamn. <laughs> wow. It's just I, I go I go I know this is probably going back to the source field more than almost any other time I have. It's just so weird of Disney. <laughs> anyway, so we get him out of there and Mickey is delighted that we came back to save him. Yep. Yeah, Donald is gung-ho to save the princess, but Mickey frets about not being musketeers. But again, the three of them give him a speech that lasts less than three lines. So yep. he, and he calms down. Yep. And so to go chase down Pete, we've got to go to the opera house. OK, the game didn't do that joke, but I guess we are. <laughs> yeah. Why wouldn't you? Pirates of Penzance is fun. Yes. Outside the theater, we see the, the Beagle Boys carting a screaming box inside. Yep. Can I just say a lot? Can I just say a lot of the theater and exterior? I feel like they borrowed assets from uh, from Birth by Sleep. It looks like it kind of looks does, like Castle of Dreams. It does look like Castle of Dreams with different lighting. It's like with weird. The, the exterior is very much the Fallon Plaza from there, and then yeah. the interior it's it's got very similar structure of how its landings and and castle stairs and so forth. It just like I said, just recolored. Mm-hmm. It's one of the few times that really sticks out to me. It might just be the close proximity of when we're playing the games. Like, I think if you had several years between Birth by Sleep and Dream Drop Distance, maybe you wouldn't notice it. But because they're so close together in our play order, it is kind of noticeable. I'm kind of surprised using a similar enough engine that they would just uh, be able to move assets that easily. I was kind of laughing at, at this because when I went to France, I saw that there's actually quite a few castles that were built to look nice that look a lot like these sorts of things. Like I saw hmm. a couple of castles that were the closest thing I've seen to like a, you know, like a very stereotypical Disney princess castle while hmm. there, which was kind of cool. I didn't know that those sorts of things actually existed, but nope. They I didn't. understand. I just, I've always understood Europe is very strange. It can be feel very strange that the people, not the people from like us or similar areas, which don't have those long dragged out history of architecture sitting around. Yeah. Is there, Eddie, Eddie is our joke about castles here. <laughs> You tear your history down, man. Well, there we all, we all live in fucking we all live in fucking castles. That and we <laughs> do we all live in fucking castles. Yes. This this home was built fifty years ago. No, no, surely not. No one was alive then. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, <sighs> Eddie is our rule. She's very cool. Oh yeah. There's also stuff like in Germany. I didn't go there, but you know, there's you there's the whole thing with was it Mad King Ludwig. With mm. uh, the guy who who built like the dozens and dozens of castles. I only know that swan game. <laughs> <laughs> the what? There's a board game that's called uh, that's called that's actually based off a, a series of board games. that's actually based <laughs> off of a thing called Castle of Mad King Ludwig that he was obsessed with swans, apparently. And then he calls entitled goose game. I think the swans were the royal crest. <laughs> Interesting. Anyway, yeah. let's go into this level. <laughs> yeah. Like Pete's standing up on the theater stage and saying, look at me. I'm the villain. I have a trap. <laughs> yeah, it's like, wait, Pete, we're going to stop you. They've already saved Minnie. Yep. I think actually I mean, we don't even see it happen on screen, I believe. No. Yeah. Um, like a, a box is going to fall and crash on the Disney characters, but it suddenly vanishes. And so just I like, say, can I just say Pete, he actually, he, he tells us because he just does, he does a big laugh. And then again, which is a really great expression. He tur- he's just kind of side eye squints at it. And it's really good. It's like between the eye and face move, it's just very clear what we're seeing. Mm-hmm. And then somehow when the box is dropping, suddenly the box vanishes out of thin air. Yep. Kind of like, in a, kind of like, it's like a grid style code flash too. Yeah. Yeah. It's a reality um, glitch. So Sora knows without basis that Riku saved them. <laughs> It might as well. When weird stuff has disappeared out of worlds, it's been Riku before. And true, true. Pete has a really amazing line. <laughs> How dare you thwart me in the nick of time? <laughs> <laughs> and so now we have to fight Pete and the Beagle Boys as a group. 
Yeah. It's a messy little brawl, but I found it really fun. Like Pete spends the first half of the fight way out of reach while the Beagle Boys chase you. He's kind of flinging stuff at you, of course. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, when a Beagle Boy is low on health, you use the reality shift to yeet the Beagle Boy at Pete, which rules. <laughs> well, yeah, you think like a comic is shooting them out of a cannon. Yes. Yes, you do. It is amazing. This is so much fun. And then once you launch all three of them at Pete, he comes down for the main event as yep. the boss encounter. I'd say Pete is just complete. Pete is bouncy as shit in this fight. Oh, yeah. He has so many cool attacks. Like he has one where he grabs a sun prop on a stage rope and swings at you multiple times. Like, I think it's a really fun fight. He is really mobile for a big guy. Oh, yeah. With one leg. They do a really good job at making him animate like a cartoon character in this fight, which is actually difficult to do. Well, I will make one little critical mode note before we get back to this. Like, so because the damage and health values are such that the big Beagle Boys take so long to go down that if you die against Pete in phase two, it's really tedious to get back there. Huh. But that's, uh, that does sound frustrating. It is. But I mean, it's critical mode and dream drop distance. What are you going to do? And then you cannot do critical mode and dream drop distance. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then after this fight, Sora is with the Musketeers in the training yard with Minnie, who officially knights them by, you know, the whole thing with the sword on the t- shoulder and stuff. Yep. She ma- races her sword and officially makes us all Musketeers. And does this make Sora the D'Artagnan to Mickey, Donald, and Goofy's Athos, Porthos, and Aramis? That would I mean, make I hope sense. not because they all have really messed up uh, issues and tragic lives. Like D'Artagnan <laughs> lives... Realize he got he got what he wanted, but he's losing all his friends. So it's completely hollow. So that's completely wrong to Sora. Well, I was just saying that that it makes sense because (laughs) this entire thing or sorry, all of Kingdom Hearts is basically Sora self-inserting into various Disney stories. Hmm. Well, he doesn't really do much to solve things on his own, though. He's not the main plots. He just kind of he like he witnesses them. And Sora was there, too, is usually what happens. <laughs> then the Especially four do the musketeer slogan with the, the, the swords together, except yep. Sora uses the keyblade, of course. By himself, Sora uses the slogan to reveal the sleeping keyhole, which he seals to open the next path. And then we get the all for one keyblade. I forget what it looks like. Hmm. Does it have the power to steal other people's powers? No, I don't think it, so. It, it really just kind of looks like the, it's 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 kind of like that. The guard has a musketeer hat at the end, and it has the fleur de lis as its blade. Right, that's right. You're not going to yell at me for weebiness, okay? I already got John in this topic. Whatever. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so with that, Sora's side is done. So we end up going to Riku's side. Let's drop over to Riku's side. Yes. And so on the way down, Riku has to fight another Brawly Mari, which has the added gimmick of needing behind rocks to avoid its giant laser blasts. As I think I've said before, I hate all these boss fights in the dives. They are not fun. He, Riku takes care of the squid and now it's time to go to the opera. <laughs> it's just no. the one of the highs like. That's starting to grow on me, says Pete. <laughs> uh, Riku finds Pete peg-legged and looking shifty, skulking at the entrance. <laughs> I just love that Pete will just go from his official musketeer captain garb, just walking around in a like a turtleneck and high-waisted pants with a peg leg clearly visible. It's just he couldn't look shiftier. <laughs> so is the peg leg a costume or is it peg leg actually what he is in this film? In the film, he's peg like you usually just can't see under his heavy under his huge robes. In okay. fact, he, in fact, when he's in his villain layer, he slums around in a pair in a pair of just overalls uh, or, uh, or uh, suspender overalls. So wait, is, if this is in the past, did he get a leg transplant from somebody at some point to get to where he is now? Hmm. I got my new leg heart. <laughs> oh, no. Probably some advanced healing magic. Maybe Maleficent helps out. I don't know. Wait, no, he had to get hit. So given the timeline, this has to be taking place before uh, Birth by Sleep. So um, Maleficent recruits him in Birth by Sleep, right? So no, yeah. And so he has both his legs when he is Captain Justice or Captain Dark. So there, unless it's a good prosthetic. 
Yes, it might just be a very good prosthetic. Technology could have advanced to that degree. I just said the image. I just love how he just when he goes down to his base, he just kind of sits around like that. Or if Mickey's here on a special mission, maybe Pete is also here on some such a thing. And he got oh, no, he's to protect the, the world border. Oh, no, he's an evil leaper. Oh, no. <laughs> how dare you put right what I must once put wrong. <laughs> <laughs> thing is, thing is, that's actually that's actually Scott Bakula dreaming about the devil in the episode where Stephen King's in as a, as a little kid. Interesting. Isn't Quantum Leap got weird? Yes, okay. it did. <laughs> is it any good? It's good. It's it's good in some way. They're making something new out of it. I do like they had the non-binary actor who played Desire in um, Sandman. They're also being a non-binary character as just one of the was one of the good guy crew in the future. Nice. Anyway. So Riku recognizes the dastardly doofus and wonders what kind of world this is this time, which causes the title to drop. <laughs> Riku's like, all right, I guess I got to take care of this shit now. Yeah, like he's not pissed as he's just kind of obviously I got to do something about this. Yeah, like Pete is obviously trouble, so we should probably do something about that. So now we get to run around the opera grounds. I think Pre- Riku probably understands right away that this is not his Pete because of the different outfit. Well, he he, he honestly isn't worried too much about it. either way. Pete has at best been a neutrally aggressive uh, steamboat captain, and that's the least troubles. OK, he's been. yes. So why, what, so, what, what interactions has Riku had with Pete? You know, that's a good question. Was he must have met him at some point because he was no. also a Maleficent funky at, in the first game. Except- it seems like he wasn't there. Yeah, but Pete was never there for uh, working with Maleficent in the first game. I think Pete was probably just off doing his own minion-y shit. So, oh, so um, that well, so hmm. as a, so as a Maleficent minion, Riku never met uh, Pete. Now, well, um, now, in, in now uh, Journal Ku met Pete. Journal Ku met Pete. Uh, the, yeah, uh, the world that never was in Kingdom Hearts Two. They do have the. A brief run-in with Pete and Maleficent, but it's a very brief thing. Riku that's may pro- have may have known about Pete, and also Riku may have read Jiminy's journal from the first game. But Jiminy's journal from the first game just think nominee. <laughs> by the way, I just by the way, time out, guys. I was just looking for this. Apparently, in Cage Three, Pete doesn't know who Riku is. I found that by accident. Oh, interesting. Interesting. <laughs> okay, then. Okay, so then he, I guess he just looks at Pete and says, "Okay, that guy's shit." Well, okay, here's the thing: uh, I don't think Riku had turned back into his actual Riku form at the time Pete would have seen him. He was probably still looking like Ansem. So yes, Pete has never actually met Riku. Yeah, <laughs> and he just didn't worry about the weird, the weird computer boy he messed with. Yeah, Yo, and Riku but probably. I just feel Riku's smart enough to get informed on shit. Yeah, yeah. and also Riku just probably sees the shifty. The shifty guy and is like, okay, this guy's up to trouble. Let's. It's, do he does about call it. him out by name. Yep. Yeah. He just says, "Well, that's Pete." Okay. I just assume Riku, Riku puts the effort into making himself, keeping himself informed. Yeah, he probably just asks questions about to various people, and he probably knows vaguely what what was going on in Kingdom Hearts two and one and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Like I said, I just was like, well, one of us has got to know these things, and Sora's not going to. Yeah, he's just not. Sora Sora just runs on vibes. I need to be the brain here. Yeah, he needs to be the keeper of the brain cell. (laughs) Um, So when Riku makes it to the stage, he wonders what the purpose is when he sees the Beagle Boys come out with wooden standees of Mickey, Donald and Goofy. This is kind of adorable. They're doing a dress rehearsal for the death trap. Yes, yes. <laughs> like they didn't even just put like a target on the ground or something. They literally, made, they literally cut out wooden silhouettes of the characters. Yep, and Pete just grins as he crocks a crate on the wooden effigies, and Rico's just like, like, "Oh shit!" It's like, like even before having Rico's like, "Oh, it's those three. They're always together." <laughs> I'm also just kind of giggling at the whole thing of at this point, how many big cosmic adventures have we had that that we're doing. And the death trap is dropping a big, heavy wooden crate on. Oh, my God, a box. <laughs> hey, it's powerful. <laughs> it's like it's like whatever doctor regenerates almost something, almost always something kind of minor is what gets him. It's ridiculous. <laughs> so Riku decides that he has to stop this little trap. Yep. He ch- chases the Beagle Boys to the backstage where he finds a box with a mini in it. And I have on my notes. <laughs> Her little hair tuft is cute. <laughs> 
Her design is really good in this story. Yeah. I like it. Well, it's a lot better than Kingdom Hearts 1. Where she had the weird giant mascot head. Yeah. Yeah. But also, like, um, isn't she a lot snarkier in the movie? I don't remember how much we got. She's she's pretty much screaming in Pete's face that she wants bodyguards. And she (laughs) is doing the whole forbidden love thing with Mickey. But she's also being kind of gloomy and snarky about with Daisy. Nice. (laughs) It is pretty great. Getting a bit closer to like a bit more modern portrayal of her character, even though we kind of don't get that here in this. I, I, I'm thinking about the voices. I'm pretty sure at this point, Mickey's already been replaced, unfortunately, because Wayne, because I'm pretty sure Wayne Allwine has already died at this point. And it's worth remembering Rusty Taylor, who was Minnie, was was married to Wayne Allwine. So mm. and she, and I said she only passed away much more recently. So just case in mind, they, they do always have they do always have very good interaction with each other. You can tell. Mm hmm. Yeah, he said, as I thought, from days onward, from maybe from Brufus onward, it was it was Brett, Brett Ewan because Wayne Allwine did pass. OK, uh, so uh, Minnie thanks Riku and then she heads off saying she has to help the Musketeers. Yep. And Riku volunteers to help because Mickey is his friend. Wait, Minnie never mentioned Mickey. Has Riku ever met Minnie? I think they look similar enough. It's clear they've had interactions because just the fact they were in Yen Sid's tower. That's probably talking there. There's clearly some times where they must have arrived. They probably got picked up. Mm-hmm. And again, and he's friends with Mickey. I'm sure Mickey talks about his family. Sure. Hopefully. I sure hope so. Yeah. It's one of those things where you have off screen transfer of information. Gosh, I'm actually married to the job. It's a marriage of convenience for the for the crowd. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> That's terrible. Oh, Absolutely. I'm less uncomfortable with that last one you told me you cut. I'm not going to cut that. That's great. (laughs) (laughs) So Minnie tells Riku about the evil machine that Pete has rigged the stage with. I mean, you're dropping a crate by tipping a uh, a suspended catwalk. Machines kind of overselling it. You could have at least made a small Rube Goldberg machine to do it. But that is very imprecise and takes a longer time to set up than just dropping a crate on someone. And Pete Pete has this. And P has to stare evilly at it. If he's doing that for five minutes, someone's going to think something's up. Also, I think only Goofy probably has the brain power to actually set up one of those Rube Goldberg machines. <laughs> and Goofy would, would spot it coming. Gosh, guys, we're on a trap. <laughs> it's a, oh, can, Matt, can you actually do can you actually do the uh, the um, the Admiral Akbar for Goofy? Gosh, it's a trap. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> All we ever need. All we ever wanted. Yes. <laughs> so, but it, just, to, just to underscore ridiculous is a, one of the Beagle Boys walks by carrying what was like a ship wheel and saying, look what I almost forgot. Yep. And like, it's pretty important for the machine. But how? Why? Well, it, it, remember, they're lowering a rope. You turn the wheel and it slackens the rope. True. I'm almost certain it's got to be that. Okay. <laughs> So we get the flashback of Minnie being captured by the Beagle Boys and Pete and Pete monologues about wanting to seize the throne, blah, blah, blah. A bunch of very bad French. Yeah. <laughs> French malapropisms all over the place. And then Minnie is put in a box. Actually, it's time to say bonjour, your royal highness. <laughs> yes. I, I'm just laughing because that must be what most Americans, probably myself included, sound like in France. Yes, Pete really <laughs> does come off as just an ugly American just trying to appropriate the culture. Yes. <laughs> so Riku's little level uh, gimmick here is he has to chase down all the Beagle Boys who are all hiding in the backstage. And this is a pretty long stage. Riku doesn't have much story. He has this really long platforming section. Yeah. The area under the stage is full of darkness. I mean, gas because the gas makes you drop faster. Dude. Oh, no. Which is just annoying. So it's so, so you just flow motion over the gas until you find the uh, random gas emitters you smash. Yep. Uh, you can raise these curtains and you'll eventually find Beagle Boys. Even more backstage in the green room, there's more Beagle Boys to track down. So there's only three. I don't know where they're all coming from. Yeah, well, there's only three that you have to find. Finding them gets to the bagage pack. That's it. That's the level. <laughs> So, yeah, and, and it's pretty much the same fight you have with when you when I, do you even fight the Beagle Boys or you just find them. You just find them. You might beat them up a little bit, but it's not like the big Beagle Boy fight at the end of Sora's side. Yeah, which is really just you fighting three of them at once. And it's, it has all the energy of fighting the uh, trick or treaters. Yep. Mm. It's not quite as bad as fighting the trick or treaters, because at least this time you're not beating up kids. 
Yeah, you're being of ex-cons. Are we are we uh, participating in, in the uh, inability for um <laughs> for rehabilitation of criminals? Sora a cop. <laughs> oh shit. <laughs> You you gotta you gotta Sora cop be cop. a little bit of a cop at least a little bit of the time. Oh, they gotta no. do this. They gotta do the Sora cop Riku cop routine. No, oh, no, not good, not good at and all. Then, and then Goofy is hungry cop. <laughs> He's the one yeah. that has all the donuts. And Donald yeah. is and Donald is angry cop. <laughs> no, no, uh, Donald Donald is uh, being investigated by Eternal Affairs for what he did to the last and, guy. And now oh, I'm no. just imagining that that Pete is the you know the lieutenant or maybe the chief that the is extremely corrupt. Damn it! I want results. The mayor's going to have my hide. <laughs> all cops are bastard. Let's get back to this. Yes. Ooh. All cops are beagle boys. <laughs> but they're clearly not. <laughs> <laughs> confusing isn't it no I, it's well, just they're clearly not anyway Mole. back to the Mole. back to the the plot yep riku rushes backstage to stop to the device but then a giant nft mole starts to burrow around the walls riku versus holy moly i have in my notes seriously game that's the name you're going with well we're gonna have a whack-a-mole because the mole comes in through these like dark portals rather than bursting through the ground because that would be hard to animate yeah oh, so, so wait does the mole use poo gas portals I guess so. Not exactly. It's more like it's occluding through the ground. It kind of has its own effect, as I recall. <laughs> it is it's a dream eater, so it uses some kind of other kind of things. OK, so uh, where do dream eaters poof in from and out from? Because it's clearly not darkness. Well, it's coming. Okay. Like, it forms it forms a, like a, a black rimmed white portal. Like okay. it, its arms come up through through like a cloudy blackness, but it comes up through this big portal with its white interior. So what do dreams smell like? Sweet dreams are made of this. Yeah. Right, okay, given the given that sweet dreams are made of this line, and also the fact that dream eaters are all kind of very technicolor and candy-ish, I'm going to say it smells like sweets. Yeah, you have to ask Riku what they smell like, and he won't tell. I'm just thinking a stupid joke. Sweet dreams are made of cheese. Who am I to disagree? That's terrible. No. It keeps going. I, I only gave you half of this. No. Well, where, where's that? Let's from? just beat up a mole. What are you? It's just okay. a terrible joke that you see that, you, that, that people put up online every so often. OK. OK. Anyway. Uh, yeah, we just got to chase this uh, mole down. Um, I think there's a few times where we have to fight things that are not the mole, but it's mostly its arms popping up. Yeah, it's. Oh, God. Someone made the whole song. <laughs> oh, no. Cheese <laughs> wants to be blue, too. No, 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 no. no, no. <laughs> oh, my God. I didn't know they did the whole thing. No. Mold is better on the ride. Mold is better. He stays behind. We're, Jared, we're going to have Jared, to. Jared. <laughs> I'm going to take away your Internet privileges if you can't focus. <laughs> I would be fascinated to see you try. You are going to lose your Internet privileges. 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 I think you're doing a strong bad line, right? Yes, exactly. It's the you lose the cheat loses his crisper drawer privileges. I thought it was also like the cheat. I, the cheat is grounded. I did not give him the light switch. You give light switch raves. Yes. <laughs> Man, okay. we are completely off the wall today. Yes. Yes. I can't wait to add it to this episode. It's going to be great. <laughs> <laughs> so Riku gets Riku gets special techniques for winning this fight. Shadow slide and sa- shadow strike, which is I think. Okay, so shadow slide is a slide move, and shadow strike is a follow up to that. And aren't though they warp a little bit? Oh, yeah, it's great. Riku just like is teleporting all over the place using poo gas portals to fight. Now it's wonderful. <laughs> that, that's actually a great way to put pull that into uh, into the mechanics, actually. Yeah. Um, Mini reminds Riku to put the mecha- the gadget back in the machine and deactivate the trap. And as he does, the gears <laughs> begin to turn. I like the idea that without Mini doing that, he just would have forgotten about it. <laughs> well, it's Riku's just kind of having it's, it's just even for him. It's a slightly odd day. Things are just kind of happening without him getting any context. He's not he's, he's, kind of, he's not un, not understanding, but it's just kind of. Yeah. It's kind of funny because because Riku knows exactly none of the plot here, except maybe that that Pete kidnapped Minnie here. So basically all he's doing is like he saw Pete. He decides to thwart his plans and beat up his mooks. And that's that's the entire context he has. I will say, remember, he did see the whole the whole uh, wood cut out bit. So he does know it probably involves friends of his. So, yeah, that's yeah, really something. I, I mean, all I can say is that all this is probably taxing that one brain cell that the two of them share. So <laughs> I think we hear Pete offstage going, hey, what gives? Yep. 
Which which more or less confirms that Sora was right about Riku saving him. Yeah, yeah, because because Riku does the thing, the gears turn, Pete complains, and yeah, yeah. Minnie declares Riku as brave as a musketeer. Riku doesn't even know what a musketeer is. Yeah, he is he is he is so unconnected for the lore in this one. He has no idea. And so Minnie whispers like what the bit of is supposed to be, and Riku recoils a bit at the cringe, and then she says the thing. They actually say that. I mean, it's like it's their silent pledge. You're right. It does fit the moment. So it's more like that seems a little silly, but OK. Yes. Well, it's he realizes that Sora would do it. So, yeah. Well, also, again, he recognized even if he thinks it's a little silly, there's nothing wrong with it. Well, yeah, yeah I'm I, it's I'm just joking. That's character growth because he realizes yeah. the good things in Sora. And so he says, OK, I'll do it. A sleeping keyhole appears and Riku seals it. And so we get the all for one keyblade for Riku. Yay! To close out this tr- chapter, Lee and Yen Sid have a bit of a chinwag with each other. Sorry, with a shocked trio of Disney characters. What? Absolutely not. <laughs> I sensed something was amiss nearly the moment Sora and Riku departed. Xehanort must have known what we were attempting before we even began. But do you know where they are? You must understand, this examination was in no way how the mark of mastery is usually found. However, in light of what they must do next, it was a necessity. If Sora and Riku complete their tests by finding the seven doors corresponding to the seven pure lights, they will return home with a new power. At that point, they will both be true masters. However, the dangers make this more trial than test. But are they safe right now? Considering their ability... I would like to believe that they are. However, all my attempts to locate Sora and Riku end questionably. Xehanort is a devious tactician. There is nothing we can do that he will not, to some extent, be able to predict. So... As you can see, the organization's members are complete people again. Xehanort will be no different. We cannot afford another moment's hesitation. We must consider any strategy to outwit Xehanort and catch him off guard. So, yeah, said this is definitely not my fault. Xehanort's just that good. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> I mean, Xehanort kind of is that good from what we know in Birth but, by Sleep anyway, but, but still. But it is definitely Yensid just trying to kind of like offload blame to be like, no, I no one could possibly have Ugh. solved this problem. <laughs> His four dimensional chess is too good. Also, also, I do kind of get the impression that it's like, OK, moving the plot along. And so. Essentially, Jens is like, okay, they need to be able to do this or else we're all fucked. So if they don't come back, we were all screwed anyway. So that world was unhinged. (laughs) Again, and I know I spent so much time talking about the cartoon it came from, but that was equally unhinged. Tron Legacy is weird and trippy. I don't understand Mickey Donald Goofy Three Musketeers. Disney is is so protective of Mickey Mouse. They spent decades not letting him be in anything because they thought they would bring down the character. And they kind of let him be in this absolute insane meta job. And it kind of looks, feels like it like opened the door for these much more insane versions of Mickey that we've been getting a lot recently, right? Oh, yeah. And the, the newer cartoons. Have you seen some of those? They're actually pretty good. I've only watched it with sound, but like every time I've watched it, I've been like, wow, what is going on here? <laughs> when I went to Disney, they had a channel with have not stopped, but there is some weird stuff in it. Like, like have you seen like some like they, they do some of the I, I don't know what to call it, but you know, that style, uh, which was done in things like uh, SpongeBob and Flapjack and where they, they zoom in on something and it's really grotesque and gross. Uh, TV tropes calls it the gross up close up. Yeah, and and the they they do that for Mickey sometimes, and it's like, wow, I've never imagined yeah. that. Especially for Goofy, who they kind of reimagine as a complete as a complete simpering idiot. Unfortunately, yeah, oh, no. kind of rougher. But we'll have things like Minnie, Mickey and Minnie being embarrassed at tennis by Donald and Daisy, so they somehow they find magic tech um, sweatbands that control their bodies, <laughs> and it gets a wow. little matrixy. Wow. Or like a whole thing where they're speaking in Chinese because they're they're basically like Mickey and Minnie are competing doing food stands at like a Chinese uh, a boat market. And it's entirely non-English with no with no subtitles, my ad. So anyways, next time we're going to go to a world that I really love because I'm a music nerd. And we're going to a world that I really love because it's really pretty. And I really love it because I'm a little bit of both. And I have fond memories of the original Fantasia when I was a kid. 
Yay! I'm say just because I'm generally positive for something. Yay! <laughs> <laughs> well, until next time, I'm Jared. I'm John. And I'm Matt. And remember, a good story is best enjoyed with friends. Thank you for listening to Backlog Dialogues. If you're enjoying our deep dives and discussions, be sure to leave a five-star review on the podcatcher of your choice. If you're really enjoying our deep dives and discussions, you can support us on Patreon at patreon.com slash backlogdialogues. If you'd like to hear more episodes, you can find our archives at backlogdialogues.com. Special thanks to Eli for our theme song. Kingdom Hearts and all associated trademarks are the property of Disney and Square Enix. Please support the official release. Now I'm mm-hmm. now I'm actually thinking of what it would look like if Disney tried to do the Count of Monte Cristo. They couldn't. Count of Monte Cristo. They couldn't. Cristo. It couldn't be weird. Not Cristo. Oh, let me redo that then. No, the count of the count of Monte cooking spray. Yes. Okay. So no, I'm. Oh, that's the Veggie Tales version. Yes. They're all carrying these, you know, very simplified, you know, cartoony uh, rapiers as swords and stuff like that. Rapier. Rapier. Okay, mm-hmm. I wasn't sure. I thought it was a repeat. repeat. Uh, I, okay, I'm dumb. Okay, so yeah, they're all... <laughs> the Count of Monte Cristo with his rapier. Yep, yep. <laughs> Shut up. I hate you. Sorry, I could not resist that. <laughs> anyway, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm bad with knowing... Anyway, Sora is just as confused as I are as to what the fuck is going on here. Let me say that again. Just, you just said yeah. IR, so I'm just thinking yeah. of IR Baboon now. Oh, Christ. I am oh. Weasel. <laughs> Damn. IR, yeah. I can't do an IR voice that literally sounds IR like I'm Baboon. making... The problem is doing an IR voice badly sounds like you're making fun of people with with, uh, with deficiencies. Yeah, I really yeah. Know. I mean, let's be clear. It's hard to so do So was I am Weasel. <laughs> I mean, I can't say you're wrong. Yeah. Cartoon man, a lot of old cartoon cartoons were really mean. <laughs> I mean, why did they get away with that guy being the devil, but they wouldn't admit it, even though the original they did? Mm. He's just a red guy, the pantsless red man. Dude. Yeah, he's all yeah. They loved butts. Wasn't oh, he yeah. originally in uh, Cow and Chicken? In yeah, Cow and Chicken. Yeah, in the original yeah, cartoons got the original cartoon. Hello, I'm the devil. Couldn't you tell? Yep. That's literally uh, his intro in the original cartoon cartoon. Uh, I think it's basically once it got out of what was whatever that uh, uh, that breeding ground for uh, cartoon cartoons that came up with things like Cow and Chicken and Courage the Cowardly Dog. It it's was a rather they, weirder, all, all the, weirder things. <laughs> yeah, all the pilots that were in those were a lot edgier than the final cartoons that we ultimately got. Oh, yeah. Um, like, uh, geez, Courage the Cowardly Dog was almost unrecognizable in its original uh, it pilot. Was, it, was a ho- it was a horror show, and I mean that oh, yeah. literally. The yeah, old like, what the cartoons were were sometimes terrifying. Well, oh, I yeah. mean, the uh, Courage of Cowardly Dog was always basically a horror cartoon, but it oh, kind yeah, of uh, but, went well, into no. more parody cart uh, of horror. That original one was literally a body horror, long term nightmare, like just this a, oh. a three minute long uninterrupted thing of Courage having a weird fight with a chicken, while another character gruesomely turned into a monster. Yes, mm-hmm. I had, and that I shit sticks a... with you. I have mm-hmm. strange takes about Courage the Cowardly Dog, but I will save that for another day. I mean, remember, they almost barely didn't call the Powerpuff Girls the Whip-Ass Girls, so. <laughs> and then they do have the devil in that one, though, too, but they call him him, and for whatever reason, he's well, really flamboyant. Yeah, but he wasn't in the old white cartoons. He came much later. He was a rather, he was, an, it, he was actually a very effective villain for that show. Oh, yeah, yes. he's really scary. Because <laughs> he really, he took the whole... He was actually an effective version of a Joker type character in that he's a chaotic, whimsical creature that's also except he's like magical and powered and literally the devil. Oh yeah, like like when they when they decided to play with time dilation, that was probably one of the scariest episodes they ever made of that show. Mm. Let's get back to Dream Drop Distance. <laughs> yeah, cartoon cartoons are interesting. <laughs> Pete dubs the trio Royal Musketeers and makes them bodyguards to Princess Mickey. Mm. And huh. it, ah, Princess Minnie. <laughs> we're we're, we're, we're actually inventing a very strange version of this world. Yes. Pete <laughs> hey, dubs the trio Musketeers.
having fun in the moonlight. What? Oh, shit. I'm the only one who watches riff tracks regularly, so. Yes. <laughs> uh, if anyone out there gets it, you know that I've just I've gone off the deep end. I'm probably just going to cut that because I don't get it. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. <laughs> or maybe move it to anecdotes. It's what happens It's what happens when you take like a low-budget Thanksgiving Day Parade balloons and make some sort of half-assed film out of it. I mean, I don't got anything. Go for it. And then to close out the chapter, we, uh, Leah and Sid have a little bit of a chin wag after Just that Lee and Sid. plot. Lee and oh, Sid. Yeah. Sorry. Leah, Leah is the crossroad character. Leah, yeah. Okay, Leah and Sid is a much more interesting crossover guy, which you could have. Yes. <laughs> which scene are we talking about? Leah! Hi! Hi, Leah! I don't know what you're talking about. Do you need me to fix something? <laughs> which Sid are we talking about here? <laughs> oh, there's plenty of juice from Big Pick. Yep. Uh, the most one Sid is probably seven. Well, that was kind of what I was going for, but I would, I would say at least half a Sid's would probably say something like that anyways. Fair. Anyway. Not like Sid Garwan would say much different. Yeah.